You know, it's funny that vulnerability is a powerful thing. Uh, it seems like a paradox because the world tells us that to hide your fears, mask your weakness, cover what you don't know will bring gain and power and worth. But the reality is that the most influential people are those willing to humble themselves and express their struggles um, because it speaks to our common experience. The interview you're about to hear is with someone who is willing to admit their brokenness and express a deep-rooted hope that brings lasting change. Uh, two things that we would request. If you like what you hear, please share. Uh, we do know that tons of people are going uh, through similar circumstances um, and have that uh, common experience with the interviewee. Um, also, consider supporting Fish Food so that we can continue providing consistent content. Go to www.fishfood.me or me and click support and it will carry you to a link where you can become a patron. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hello folks, this is your host Corey Pelton and this is Fish Food, providing morsels of hope to a hungry world. Um, you know, I, I think, well, I don't know exactly how I dealt with it. I think that um, I was angry. Um, I um, turned the blame everywhere but on me. On this week's episode of Fish Food, I get to be interviewed by my wife, and the topic is what happens when we don't get what we want. All right, so you interviewing me, or am I interviewing you? I think you're supposed to be interviewed. Supposed to be interviewed? Yes. Not interviewing? Correct. All right, why don't you, uh, why don't you explain our setting here a little bit? So we're at our house in the quietest spot we could find, which strangely enough is in a very large bathroom in our house. It's professional podcasting at its best, sitting in our bathroom, um, hearing the creaking upstairs of Miles walking around in his bedroom. <laughs> uh, uh, well, thank you for, thank you for uh, doing this interview. You are welcome. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like I should have a cup of coffee in my hand because that's when we do most of our talking that's is true. over coffee. That's true, but we don't. No. So. <laughs> Might need it. So we're improvising. <laughs> we're improvising. <laughs> All right, so, so what are we talking about? So today we're talking about your situations, um, a couple situations that you've been through where you've been... Um, Tempted to mistrust God in hard things. Okay. All right. So, what what are some of the situations that come to mind that you think of as you've been asking people about how they responded in trial? Right. Uh, the one that I the one that sticks out. I mean, there are a lot of them, and you know, I think everybody's situation when they're going through it, it's hard to talk through because they haven't really um, been able to 
uh, process it thoroughly because I feel like I'm in one now, but I don't, I don't think I've processed it thoroughly enough to be able to talk through it fully. But it does remind me of one years ago in which I um, there was the, the possibility of a job out in front of me, and I really, really, really wanted the job and thought it was well, it was a dream job. Um, uh, that was that was proposed to me, and that job um, I won't give details, but it was a at the time I was living in Mississippi, and it was a job that was closer to where I grew up, where we both grew up. Um, uh, we both grew up in and around Knoxville, Tennessee. This was actually in uh, another state, but it was in a mountainous region, which is a region that I've always loved. It was a startup position. It was starting a college ministry, and I um, already had experience as a college minister under my belt. I had about, I think at that point I probably had about six years of college experience and I had also done a startup uh, ministry uh, in a small town before. So this was a startup college ministry in a mountain town and sort of to add to the the desire or the the beauty of that position, um, small campus, small school, mountain town, but it's also near uh, where my parents live. So it looked uh, on the outside like the, the perfect kind of position for me. And um, and not only that, the, the ministry that I was involved in had a regional director where I lived in Mississippi, and he was putting my name forward as the candidate for the position. And then the national coordinator for the ministry was also... Um, giving my name as um, a candidate for that for that position, and so all these things were playing out, and I just I thought I was a complete shoe in for that job. And what happened? <laughs> um, I you know back then you gave your sermon tape, uh, cassette tape. You mailed that off. You mailed your resume in, and it had gone to the committee. And then one evening, I remember. Um, exactly where our phone was in that house. The phone rang, and I answered it, and the chairman of the committee on the other end said um, that the committee listened to the sermons, really appreciated the sermons, thought they were great. So I got really excited, and and then he said, but we have decided to go with another candidate. And my heart sunk. I was silent. In fact, I laughed because... At first, I laughed because I thought he was joking. That's how much of a shoe-in I, <laughs> a shoe-in I thought it was. I thought it was my job for the taking. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a, a long time ago when you say you knew where our phone was in the house and Ooh, yeah. that you sent a cassette tape in the mail. Right. Yeah. Do we have cell phones? No. I I'm not even sure so. we had cell phones back then. I don't think so. Yeah. Not, so, not that we were ahead of the time. So everybody else probably has a cell phone. There might have been a lot of them around. We just we, didn't have them. But we didn't have it. So how did you deal with that rejection? I didn't deal with it very well at all. Um, you know, I, I think, well, I don't know exactly how I dealt with it. I think that um, I was angry. Um, I... Um, turn the blame everywhere but on me, which means ultimately it, it, it ended up blaming God for my circumstances. But my 
my heart for a long time. You know, it's not a nice, neat story where you realize you're wrong and then you repent and um, and you're okay with it. I um, I looked for every reason to blame the committee, the committee chair, the process, and so my my heart didn't go to gratitude to God, it went to blaming others and being very disparaging to others. I, I uh, um, uh, you know, blamed the, the political system. This was, this was a committee in a different state. Um, they didn't know me. They didn't know the ministry I'd done. Um, I, I had heard gossip um, and assumed the worst, of, worst about them. I actually hated the committee chair. I didn't know the committee chair. I think I met him once before, but had just a hatred in my heart because I thought that um, they already had a guy they wanted. Actually, the guy that got the job was one of his best friends, and so I, I quickly, I even, I even began to despise that guy who I didn't know and who had no, no relationship to the matter of me at all but that's where my heart went and it was a it was a pretty dark place and that was for a long time I mean I, th- I think that I dwelt in um and enjoyed dwelling in that space for a very long time uh, for years in fact um, I remember going to our denominational yearly meeting where all pastors gathered together and I would see uh, the committee chair, or see the, the the guy that got the position from a distance, and my heart just just burned within me. Um, so that's it's a pretty ugly place. Distrust, um, hatred, envy, jealousy, lots of ugly stuff there. So the the fruits of your um, mistrust or sin were. Were pretty ugly. Yeah, very ugly. Yeah, but ultimately, I mean, I, I think that. Well, and, and here's where the you know kind of coming to the realization of what was going on. It wasn't until years later I I, I took another calling. Eventually, I, I, um, I pastored a church for a while, and it wasn't until years later, looking back, that I began to see that. God wasn't against me because really that's who I was angry at. It wasn't these people. It just manifested itself in anger towards these people. But ultimately it points to my anger and distrust in God. And, and I think that um, after being in the, the church ministry for a while, I realized that God was really had his providential hand on me. It was really being good and fatherly and protecting me from a situation that I, I, I had no business being in. I, I look back at that ministry and, and the place, and um, it is, it's, it's probably not a place that I would have thrived as a minister or learned the lessons that I needed to learn. I think God was really um, teaching me through that process. He was learning you some lessons He's that learning you me. did not want to learn I didn't want to learn that way. No. Yeah. No. So you say you you feel like you just sort of didn't resolve it, but later, just over time, yeah. came, came back to it. It, and... it wasn't a nice, neat, tidy package at all. Um, it took time for me to, to process all that. And, you know, part of it was I just wanted to grovel. Um, uh, there is a, a sense of um, it feels good to grovel in our sin, unfortunately. Um, it doesn't really, but it feels in the moment good 
um, um, can love darkness rather than light. And I think I did that for a long time. So it took time. It took an experience. It took um, being able to get the, the big picture, stepping back and seeing what God had done in my life to really begin to understand his, his grace and mercy. So when we when we're going through something that's hard, and we are choosing um, to not trust the Lord in it, we we look for all kinds of things, um, and we work hard to kind of reinforce whatever negative or wrong way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, even when Adam and Eve were caught in their sin, they automatically went to other things to blame, and ultimately it was lack of worship of God himself. And so they blamed each other. They covered over their sin. They went to great lengths in order to um, in, in order to not be held accountable for, for their the sin of their own hearts. And I think we do the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I think over the years... Um, it's really helped me um, when I think about being called to do something else or when change takes place to um, to be able to take it more graciously and to be able to submit to God's good hand, his fatherly care um, um, of me and of us as a family. I mean, even as we... You know, we left Arkansas and moved to South Carolina, and even in the the process of selling a house and buying a house, and the fears and the anxiousness involved with timing, and am I equipped, and am I the person to do this? Is the is this the right thing? That I that I think that that experience in the past really built in me a more of a trust, not a complete trust. I still fear and am anxious, but more quickly go to trusting God's fatherly care. Um, you know, in one of the one of the uh, books that one of the Paul's letters that has I think really helped me and secured me more in that is Philippians because when Paul went uh, to Philippi um, to plant the church there, it wasn't pretty. It started um, with Lydia, um, and that was his main church planter and her friends and. And then right after he met Lydia, he, he got a, uh, accused of going against the, um, uh, the people who owned a slave girl who could, uh, who could prophesy or tell fortunes. And uh, Paul had rebuked her and the spirit had left her. So the income that they would receive because they owned the slave girl was gone. So they put Paul in prison. And so here he was in prison. Um, and yet God brought an earthquake to release him and even the jailer was um began to trust in jesus and i think that when paul writes the letter to the philippians and tells the philippians not to be anxious because paul's back in prison again the church is about probably about 10 years old it has leadership so it's a little bit it's, it's more of a mature church it's been planted and is maturing and now paul's writing from prison and he's saying you know don't be anxious about anything this you know, this is also in God's plan. And I think that seeing Paul, um, who experienced hardship, be able to look back at the Philippians and say, he's got this. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. This is in God's care and his plan. I think that's also helped. I mean, even our current situation, I'm, you know, we're, as you know, <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, I don't have a call right now, and I'm looking, and, and there's every reason, earthly reason, worldly reason, to feel anxious or scared, or has God left us, or, um, and certainly my heart goes there sometimes, but I'm less likely to be angry at Him. And even looking for new things, um, there are things we get excited about, I think, mm -hmm. uh, job possibilities, call poss ministry possibilities, that we're much more careful now to go, you know, this might be what the, what, what the Lord has us to do, but it might not be. And I'm less likely to hold too tightly to that now. Or to expect a yes when a no might be the best thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Don't you think like seeing God's faithfulness to us over time is kind of an accumulated, um, just uh, confirmation to us in the unknown that he's been with us in the past. He's never forsaken us and never left us and that he promises to yeah. Do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, th I think that's maturing in Christ. I think that, you know, being a babe, a baby in Christ or an immature Christian is, it's, you're so much more likely to become frantic and run to what the world tells us to do, to fear and to become anxious. But the cumulative effect of the grace of Christ and the mercy of Christ in our lives helps us to be more stable and, and gives us a firmer ground to stand on. And, and that's, I think that's where uh, wisdom comes into play is that we become wiser the more we trust in Christ's promises and provisions for us throughout the years. And the more he chisels off. The more he chisels. Yep. And it's never easy. It's never, ever easy. And it doesn't get easier. Um, but I think that we we grow more in depth of understanding of his love and care for us. So what, what are the things that even in the uncertainty right now, what are the things or people or ways God has brought comfort or? Um, I mean, you know, um, or just I think, well, I think of the maturity of, of how he has um, worked in both of us. I mean, I think you have become a more stable person. He, he's sanctifying both of us and growing both of us. And I think that um, because he's matured you also, that's become a more, more and more stable ground for the both of us. And hopefully the same me to you, I hope. Um and also, yeah, I mean, also the community of saints, the community of other people, hearing stories of other people who have gone through similar circumstances, um, either for, for good or for ill, being able to see that and recognize it, um, watching what God is doing in other people's lives over the years has also been a, a real help. Hearing people's testimonies of God's grace in their lives over and over and over again, um, has been a, a, um, a real cause or a real um, encouragement to, um, to keep believing in Jesus in all these, these circumstances. Don't you think that um, it's, it's definitely testing ground to, to ask, do I 
do I believe and am I trusting in the ways that I've been telling people that they should? And, and it's easy to tell people and be convinced of God being there for them. But when you go, when I go, when we go through hard things, that it's, um, that it's, it, it does make you stop to say, do I believe that he loves me? Like, it's easy to say it for other people. Right. You're convinced of it for other people. Right. But as you go through hard things, you you really do have to settle in your heart that he's for you. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can think of, um, uh, you know, a particular couple who have been through similar circumstances, hard things, and us going through it has made me empathize more with them and I, I think has has made me um, uh, yeah take stock of, of where I am and am I trusting am I looking to the one who I so plainly over the years or or am willing to tell other people that that, they, that he is trustworthy. <laughs> Uh, that he does have fatherly care. Now I'm go- now I'm having to go. I've got this. I've got to put the words that I say into into practice in this particular circumstance. Certainly, and I also think it makes us empathize with other people, so that um, other people in similar circumstances, it, it, we can come alongside with more wisdom now than we could have in the past because we've experienced this. And hopefully, more compassion. Hopefully, more compassion. Yeah. When you have had to go through, yep. how do we pay the bills? What happens when the thing you find your identity from is gone? And Right. Right. Yeah. What about you? How about you? Do you remember back when we struggled with that, with that job position and what you thought about it? Um, I do. I... I do remember, I think a lot of that struggle was internal for you. I think, I think the, the things that I probably saw, because it didn't affect the day-to-day very much, but I did see, you know, some growing bitterness and cynicism that came out of that. And, of course, that bleeds over into other areas of life, but... Um, I think it was probably something you, because you, you sometimes process inside where I have to talk about things more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot more. Have to or you just do. <laughs> or want to. <laughs> um, so, so a lot of that struggle was probably internal for you. But right. that, those were some of the fruits that I did see. Right. How about now in our current circumstances? How, how, how has the past um, learning of Christ's grace helped you in our present circumstances? See, I'm interviewing you now. Yeah. Um, I think for me, because I am a kind of, I'm not kind of, I am a guilt-motivated person, it's so easy for me and, and probably everybody just to fall back to my performance being the security for my relationship with God. And when you go through something hard where your performance has not been enough in your eyes or the world's eyes, 
um, it kind of strips away that ability to trust in that. And so it's been really, I think, a good thing over these last several years of God just um, ministering to me from a place of acceptance outside of my performance. And I, I think I struggled with assurance more before going through some really hard years these recent years. And I think now I'm more sure of his love um, because he's been kind to kind of wrestle that idol out of my grasp. How, how has God used people um, in that process? Um, there have been several people that, well, I think, I think part of it has, um, has sort of necessitated a new vulnerability because it's easy for me to want to operate from a place of trying to feel like I have my act together and to convince God and everybody else that I do too. So I think having to um, be more real and maybe some of that's the security of feeling accepted outside of my performance by God has maybe given me more um, freedom to do that with people as well. Um, but people who've, um, you said, you asked me, what, come alongside me? Yeah, how has your relationship with people helped speak into the current um, unknown of what's next and giving you more confidence? I guess maybe maybe some of that is the um, camaraderie when you're willing to let down your guard and be honest about your struggles instead of trying to put a mask on right. to everybody. Right. And I think we've both seen that through this we've, you know, I'm 50 years old and, and feel like all of a sudden you know, I don't have a call somewhere, um, but I'm seeing more and more people in the exact same situation and being able to express it and hear other people's stories and listen to other people's stories sort of makes it normative and, and helps you go, oh, this is, this is not unusual, this is not strange, this is not, it's the place where God has us and that's a good thing, mm-hmm. it's a good place to be. Yeah, I think I think it's good when you almost don't have any other place to go or any other thing to trust in. When you just see the vanity of all the other things that you've tried to trust in all your life. Right. So it really takes us back to, <laughs> you know, it was easy back in the mid-90s to be bitter and angry at God for not getting what I wanted. And then to be here wrestling with this going, you know, back then, you know, you had a job. You still had a job to stay in. Here, I I don't, but I feel more confident in his care. Not that I'm not scared, not that I'm not anxious at times, and the voices of despair come in, but I feel less anxious and less embittered um, towards God in it, knowing that, he takes care of the flowers of the field and the birds of the air and 
how much more so will he, his people, and, and uh, I don't know what he has next, but that's okay because of his care for us, right? Yep. Is that okay? And, yep. <laughs> um, which is part of why you these conversations that you're having with people are are life bringing to you, and also you've seen the value of being able to share our struggles and the comfort that we've received, right? So that other people don't feel alone in that struggle so it becomes normative to right talk through right yeah are you done <laughs> <laughs> i can always talk more <laughs> <laughs> well this bathroom floor is getting pretty hard so <laughs> thank you for you're welcome talk Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fish Food. Two things to remember, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends. Also, consider supporting Fish Food so that we can continue providing consistent content. Simply go to www.fishfood.me or me and click support. That will take you to a link so that you can become a patron. And again, thank you for the support.